Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you, and we're continuing in our series called The New You in Ephesians, and actually, today's the last sermon in the series. Are you excited? Relieved? Yeah. It's hard to believe, but this is week 16, week number 16 in this letter, and we're going to be finishing it up today. Look, I just, I know it's been a good series. I hope it's been good for you. I hope you've got encouragement from it, but I also hope you've been challenged by it. I hope you've been able to grow spiritually. I hope you've been able to be comforted, right? Um, All that we've seen in Ephesians. Today, as we finish up, we get to see how Paul finishes up, okay? How Paul finishes this letter. And most of you will be familiar with this section of Scripture. Paul talks about putting on the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. We've all... Uh, Most of us, anyway, have heard of that, been taught that. If you grew up in Sunday school and church, you're you're familiar with that. If that's you, if you're really familiar, um, you might be tempted to think, well, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to pay attention to something else. I just want to challenge you to lean in today, to really focus and to really pay attention. Why? Well, first of all, it's God's Word, and all of it's important. Even the most basic, most elementary truth, all of it is very important. Number two, the the way Paul ends this letter is not just an ending to a letter, okay? He wasn't just trying to finish up and think, oh, I need to end this somehow, what do I write down? No, the, the ending is very strategic, it's very intentional, and to me, it's just as important as the beginning. Um, Paul wanted the Ephesian Christians to hold on to what he had taught them throughout Ephesians. He had taught them some very important things, right? Some very amazing things, some very critical things to their faith, and he wanted them to hold it, hold on to it, to stand firm. Think about this, our identity in Christ, our family with new believers, right? The power of the Holy Spirit, the importance of a healthy church body, faith-filled marriages, a new way of living life. Paul had stressed all those things in Ephesians already. And here at the end of his letter, he says, hold on to those. Stand firm in those. Why? All those truths are opposed All of those important teachings are challenged each and every day. As a matter of fact, there's not a moment that goes by that these truths that Paul has already taught us are not challenged. And here at the end, Paul is calling them to stand firm, to hold their ground. You see, we've named this series called The New You. We've named it that intentionally because... The new you has a new identity, and that's in Jesus Christ. But what we're going to be talking about today is this. The new you has a new enemy. The new you has a new enemy. You might say, well, Zach, you know, the the devil's old, right? He's been around a long time. He's really not that new. Well, he's new to you. Um, You see, in Ephesians, we're taught some things. We're taught that we were once dead. But now we're brought to life. We were 
taught in Ephesians that we were once darkness. Not just in darkness, but we once were darkness and deserving of wrath. You're right. But, but God, but God through Jesus stepped in and changed that, changed our identity. And so the new you does have a new enemy because your enemy is the enemy of God now. As we go throughout Ephesians, uh, through this last section in Ephesians here, there's two truths that are going to be predominant. And they're just going to jump out to you as we walk through these. First of all, there is a present spiritual battle in your life if you're a believer. There is a present, ongoing, spiritual battle if you're a believer. It's, it's a spiritual battle, meaning that you can't see it. It's not tangible, but you're in a battle every single day with the enemy. You see, if I do this, if I do this, oops, sorry, squirted it on the table there. What am I doing? Sanitizing. What, is that crazy? No? I, I can't see what I'm fighting, can I? But how, how, much, how many of us use this each and every day? Right? Some of us are germaphobes, right? I've got 10 of these in my car. Um, I'm not a germaphobe, but I got them on sale. So uh, I bought a whole bunch of them and just cleared them out. Some of you need to start using this stuff, okay? Uh, before you go shaking hands, I got some on my paper. Um, germs, we didn't even know about germs until 200 years ago. Does that blow anybody away? We trust in this. We're fighting a battle with an enemy that we can't see, and we're trusting that this was going to do its job. So some of us need to wake up this morning to the fact that there's a spiritual battle that we can't see going on, and we need to fight it. We need protection. So there's a present spiritual battle. The second truth is Christians are to be both active in not only defending themselves in this battle, but also in gaining ground on the battlefield. So there's a defensive part to it, and then there's an offensive part to it. And the Christian is called to be active in both of these. Listen, this is a battle that you don't have the option of setting out. You're in it. As soon as you declare Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you're in a battle. You don't have the option to set out. So what do you do? How do you fight a battle like that against the enemy that you can't see? Um. Is it, is it you just mono mono with the devil? Can you even win? Right? Those are the things that the early church in Ephesus would have been considering. And so Paul addresses that. He starts off in, in chapter 6, verse 10 this way. Finally. You see, Paul's glad that we're almost done in Ephesians 2. He says, finally. It's over, right? No, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord And in his mighty power, what doesn't it say? Be strong in yourself. It doesn't say toughen up. It doesn't say when the tough, uh, the rough get going, the going gets tough. Whatever, whatever that saying is, you know. He says, be strong in the Lord, in his power. You know, the first step in the battle is realizing that, hey, this is something that's bigger than me. This is something that I need help in. This is something that I need to look to God for. This is something that in and of myself, I cannot overcome. So Paul says, be strong 
in the Lord. And he says this in verse 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we are to be strong in the Lord, and we are to put on whose armor? God's armor. Whose armor? God's armor. Not yours, not mine. Put on God's armor. Why? To stand. To stand against. And that's the theme of this, these last few verses. Paul actually mentions this at least four times, this idea of standing firm, of standing against. Against what? The devil's schemes. Devil's schemes. Devil's real, folks. Devil's real. Uh, goes by many names in the Bible. Satan, adversary, the evil one, the dragon, the serpent, the ruler of this world. I refer to him as the enemy because he is my enemy. He's the enemy of my God. He's the enemy of my Savior, my Lord. And so, therefore, he is my enemy. And it mentions the devil's schemes here. Schemes are not just random attacks. Schemes are more like tactics. Schemes are more strategic. They're intentional. Listen to this, 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That word devour means to destroy. Now I know from watching enough Animal Planet that when a lion prowls, it's hiding in the grass, right? It's being quiet. It's being sneaky. It's thinking. It's strategizing, right? And when it says here that it's looking for someone, this is what lions do. They just don't run into a herd of antelope. They don't, don't just run into a herd of zebra and just attack sporadically. What they do is they look for someone. They, look, they single out an individual out of the group with what? A weakness. A weakness. And they will attack that individual. You might say, look, that's not me. I do believe in the devil. I do believe in Satan. But look, that stuff happens in other countries. That stuff happens in other places. Not here, not me, not in my house. Paul says that's not true. Look at this, verse 12. For our struggle, that word struggle there is only used here in all the New Testament. And the Greek word means hand-to-hand combat. It means wrestling. It's close fighting. He says, for our struggle is not, not, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So you get that? Our battle isn't physical. Our battle is spiritual. Our struggle is spiritual. It's against forces of evil in the heavenly realms, which means it doesn't take place here. It's not physical. It's not of this world. It's hand-to-hand combat against somebody that doesn't have hands. Right? How do you fight something like that? How do, you, how do you even stand up to an enemy that you can't see? Right? How can you stand up to something like that that's looking for a weakness to take you out? And you cannot see it. Paul's already said it once, and he says it again, which means that 
Look, this is important. Verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So you put on the full armor of God. Full. Meaning what? No area of weakness. All right. When the enemy is looking and prowling and looking for someone to devour, you're not one of those. So does this mean that we physically put on armor? Right. We know the answer is no. Um, Paul's readers would have been very familiar with what he was saying. Very familiar. Uh, Rome was the world superpower at the time. And uh, the people would have been familiar with seeing Roman soldiers. They would have been familiar with seeing soldiers in the streets. It was a part of their everyday life. Paul was in a Roman prison. Okay, So what he's talking about would have just been familiar to them. And what is battle used for, uh, armor used for? Protection. Protection, right? In a battle. These people would have, would have said, okay, he's talking about protection here. He's talking about battle. He's talking about fighting. And he stresses this. Put it on. Put it on. So there's an emphasis here that the, the armor is there. God has supplied the armor but he stresses the importance of us, of them, having to actually put it on. And the goal is to put it on so you could stand your ground, that you don't lose ground. You, know, you don't get knocked over by the enemy. And just so his readers completely understand what he's saying, Paul begins to identify individual pieces of armor. Okay, so let's go through that together. Verse 14. Stand firm then. You see, that's the goal. The whole idea in all of this is to stand firm. To stand with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. All right? So the belt of truth um, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Right. The Roman belt would have been just uh, a series of harnesses. Not like, you know, my belt here, but it would have been harnesses that would hold everything in place. You know, if that wasn't, if that wasn't on, the armor would just completely fall off. You know, for the believer, this is the most important thing. Jesus. We've already talked about Jesus being truth back in chapter 4 of Ephesians. That truth was found in Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, there's this idea that Jesus is the fulfillment of ultimate truth. In John 14, we find that Jesus himself says, I'm the way and the truth, right? I'm the way and the truth. What's the opposite of truth? Lies, deception, falseness. What did Paul say? Make sure that the belt of truth is what? Buckled. Buckled. Make sure that thing is buckled. That's what holds everything together. That's the center of who you are. That's the source of your identity, and that's Jesus Christ. You know, I'm in a battle right now with my daughter, Callie. She's seven, for those of you that don't know. She's seven, and she is not wearing her seatbelt. I've never had an issue with this before. I don't know what's going on. It's rebellious already. It's driving me crazy. 
So she will not put her seatbelt on. So she's gotten to the point now where she tricks me or tries to. She'll take the harness over and, and strap it over her but won't click it. And so she waits until I'm driving down the road and she lets go of it. And so what I have to do now is I actually have to physically get back there in the third row and buckle her in and make sure she's in. Right? She just has no clue what that's for. She has no clue that that could save her life one day. And I mean, I want her to understand that. That's sort of what Paul's saying here. That belt of truth, Jesus, the thing that saved you for all eternity, you need to keep that in, in focus. That's the most important thing. That's who your identity is in, is Jesus. And then he says the breastplate of righteousness. All these are sort of connected and they just sort of flow, okay? What righteousness means is right standing before God. Right standing before God. So Jesus is truth, right? And because of Jesus, I am right with God, right? It's not because of my own righteousness, but it's because of Jesus' righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's important to know in a battle, isn't it? Through Christ, you belong to God. You belong to God. In a spiritual battle, it's important to know who you belong to. The Christian, because of Jesus, belongs to God. And Paul says here, make sure that that's in place too. Make sure the belt of truth is fastened and the, the breastplate of righteousness is in place. It's in position. It's in the right position. It's critical to understand that Jesus is the truth. And because of Jesus, I am right with Almighty God. And He is on my side. Right? That's important to know. Verse 15, he goes on to say, And with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So history tells us that Romans had great footwear. They had great footwear. You know, we think of shoes as an accessory. Like it's like an add-on to our wardrobe. But for the Roman soldier, shoes were an essential part of their armor. Right? They, they were high-tech. And despite what you see in Hollywood, they were not boots up to their knees. They were, they were half boots that would just go slightly above their, their ankles. And that was so they could be light. That's so they could be maneuverable. Um, some of them had spikes in them to prevent them from slipping so that they could, they could hold their ground. And, and so they could cover a lot of terrain. And so they can go uh, to difficult places and conquer lands. They were able to be successful because they had the right footwear. You know, Paul says here, the right footwear for the Christian is footwear that's ready to share the gospel. Like you are, your identity is in Christ, that's who you are, and the proper footwear for you is gospel shoes. We should always be ready and willing to share the good news of Christ. Listen to Isaiah 52.7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. You know, when you have the proper footwear, you're ready. You're ready to go. You're ready to go out and proclaim how good God is. 
All of us need to be there, ready to tell somebody about Jesus, ready to share the goodness of God, ready to proclaim peace in the midst of a battle, right? And listen, you want to take the fight to the enemy? Start talking about Jesus. See what happens. That tears him up. When you start proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news, what are you doing? You're taking ground away from the enemy. That's a strategic move in a battle, and the devil hates that. Start talking about Jesus and see what happens in your life. Verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the Roman shields were huge. They were life-size almost. They were not little, you know, Captain America soldiers, little tiny round things. No, it was a full-body shield. It protected the soldier during close combat and from attacks from afar, from flaming arrows. What's interesting in this is Paul says faith is the shield. Faith is the shield. So the, the, the size of the shield is proportionate to the amount of faith you have. How big is your shield this morning? Little shield, big shield. Having faith as a shield means that we believe in the promises of God. We trust God for who He is. We don't despair because of circumstances. We don't shy away during moments of difficulty. Faith is when our belief in God becomes evident in our life. Faith in God is when we do this. And we don't think about it. We don't think about it. We trust that God is going to do what he's promised to do. In this battle that we're facing, look, we need a big shield. Big shield. The enemy doesn't just shoot one arrow at you, right? It's a constant barrage each and every day. And you have to be ready. Don't go into battle with a small shield. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, to a soldier, the helmet was the most important thing, right? They were the most decorative of all uh, their armor. And, you've, you know, you've seen pictures of those looking differently in different colors. And they took a lot of pride in their helmets. Paul mentions the helmet of salvation here. Now, in general, what does a helmet do? Protects the head. Protects the head. You can't do nothing without your head, right? Not be able to fight without an arm. You can't do much without a head, right? <laughs> um, it protects your head. And for us, for the Christian, what Paul is getting at here is it protects your head. It protects your mind, right? Um, this is similar to the belt of truth. The enemy does this. Throws out lie after lie after lie, the enemy will try to cast doubt. The enemy will try to get you to question who you are. The enemy will try to question your faith and beliefs. God doesn't love you. You're not good enough. You failed too many times in the past. You shouldn't share Jesus because you don't know a single Bible verse. 
you shouldn't talk about the Bible because you don't even know how many books there are in it, right? That's the enemy casting doubt. What Paul says, the helmet of salvation. you got to make sure that thing is put on. Protect yourself from those things. No matter what the enemy throws at you, you got to remember that you are saved by God, by the grace of God, that God does love you. And, and through the blood of Jesus Christ, you belong to God. Right? You belong to God and nothing Nothing can take that away. That's the helmet of salvation. Then he mentions the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And the sword is an offensive weapon when we think about it. And here Paul says the sword is what? The Word of God. Now when we see that phrase, Word of God, we think about the Bible, don't we? We, That automatically makes us think about the Bible, the written Word of God. But in the New Testament... The Bible uses two different words in the Greek for word. Uh, one is logos and one is rhema. Okay? I'm not trying to impress you, but the importance, uh, of distinction between these two words is very important. The logos was the written word of God. The rhema is the spoken, spoken word of God. Guess which one Paul uses here? The rhema, the spoken word of God. Yeah, you know, that tells me sometimes we got to speak the words of God in a battle. Now, I'm sort of introverted. I don't like speaking. I'm scared to death of speaking. Paul says sometimes in a battle, you got to speak the words of God. Now, in no way does this minimize the logos, the written word, right? As a matter of fact, I think it brings importance to the word of God. Why? You can't speak the words of God until you know them, can you? Um, This makes me think of in the Gospels when Jesus was in a battle against the enemy and the enemy came to to Jesus and tried to bring him down, didn't he? Tried to bring him down, looked for a weakness, and what was his weakness? Fasting for 40 days, hungry. What did Jesus use to fight off the enemy? The rhema, the spoken word. But what did he say? It is written. He, he used rhema and quoted logos, you see. Sometimes we got to do that too. Sometimes speaking something is a step of faith. I know it is for me. Sometimes reading it and then speaking it out loud is a step of faith. The enemy hates that, but God loves it. All right. Sword is the Word of God, the spoken Word of God. Um, that leads us to this next thing. We have a secret weapon. Did y'all know that? Got the armor, and then we got a secret weapon. Prayer. Prayer. Look at this, verse 18. This is where we get the term prayer warriors from. Now, I know you've heard that. Prayer warriors. We're in a battle. Prayer is a secret weapon. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Look, Paul says all occasions, all kinds, the good times, the bad times, the the moments of desperation, the moments of celebration, right? All occasions. And then he says prayers of all kinds that are, you've been there. They're the prayers that are detailed where you have a list written out and you're going to God in prayer. And then there's times in your life 
where you're so desperate, the only thing you can say is, help me. Save me. God, I need you. Right? Paul says, use all that. Use all that. And you might say, look, this is redundant, Zach. I get it. Pray a lot. I've heard that a lot. But look, red flags should go off when this is used because that stresses the importance of prayer. That stresses the type of... If, if Paul's telling me to pray all the time, that should tell me what type of battle I'm in. That should tell me that the enemy never takes a moment off. Right? We should think about those things. He says, with this in mind, be alert, right? And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Be alert and mindful of the battle around you. And realize this, that you're not in the battle alone. You are not in the battle alone. The body of Christ, all believers are in this same battle. Did you know that Roman soldiers never fought alone? Did you know that they could get in big trouble if they tried? Roman soldiers always fought in formation. Always fought together. You see, the strength was in their numbers. Not in them as individuals. You know, on uh, Wednesday nights, our, we have a group of people that meet uh, here at the church and they pray. They pray. You might say, well, that's no big deal. I'll tell you, that's one of the most important things that this, this church does. Let's pray. I've got a list here. This is what they go through. There's about 100 names on here. And they'll go through each one and pray. Your name might be on here. My, name, my name's on here. And I, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to tell you, thank you for doing that. Thank you for interceding on my behalf because I need it. And prayer is a secret weapon that we need to use more often in our battles. Prayer is a secret weapon that we need to see the importance of. And maybe today you need to say, I need prayer. You need to be humble, set aside your pride. And recognize that you have not been using the secret weapon in your battles. Because look at what Paul says, verse 19. Pray also for me. You, really? Really, Paul? You mean the superhero of Christianity? The guy who went on three to four different missionary journeys, 2,000, 3,000 miles each one? The guy who is credited for writing the majority of the New Testament. The guy who is credited for planting churches throughout Asia and the Middle East. Pray for me also. That whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly. As I should. What does Paul pray for? An extra pillow? Steak dinner? Clean sheets? To have the TV turned on, right? Hey, no. He knew that he was in a battle with the enemy. 
he was in a struggle with the enemy. He asked them to pray for him to have the right rhema, the right words to speak so that he could boldly and fearlessly declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And look what he says here, as I should, as I should. Look, that is us too. As, as Paul should, so should we. Man, boldly and fearlessly proclaim the gospel. And that isn't always easy. I know that. I know that. That's why we need prayer. That's why we need help. That's why we need people to come alongside of us and encourage us and pray for us. We need help in doing that to take the fight to the enemy. And so, after going through this together with you this morning, we got to ask ourselves three very important questions. Three very important questions. First, how aware am I of spiritual battles? How aware am I of spiritual battles? Am I oblivious of the things going on in my life? All right, from, the, from the time that you wake up to the time that you go to bed, look, you are involved in a battle. You are involved in a struggle. Don't be naive and think, look, this ain't going to happen to me. This won't happen to me. I know for a fact that some of you are involved in a battle right now. I know that some of you, your life may be falling apart and you're wondering what in the world is going on. It's time. It's time that you realize that the words of God are written there for us and what they tell us is that you have an enemy. You need to be aware of this. Look, none of us are super Christians. If Paul asks for prayer on his behalf, we should realize that we have a need to be aware that there's a real battle taking place. Be aware that there's a real enemy out there looking, looking for someone to destroy. Next, how prepared am I for spiritual battles? So how aware and then how prepared. It does you no good to be aware and then not prepare, does it? No good. There's a call for us, and I hope you saw this throughout the Scripture. There's a call for us, and Paul stresses it many times. Take up, take up, take up. The armor's there. God's saying, here, take my armor. And Paul stresses to take up the armor, to, to put it in place. Um, I came across a quote that I had written down in a small notebook I had in business school. And it has, uh, it's really for the business field. But I thought, man, this goes good with the sermon. It's an anonymous quote, but it says, Unpreparedness is one small step away from failure. Unpreparedness is one small step away from failure. And that's so true. That's how close we are to the enemy. That's how close we are to the enemy knocking us down. So we need to be prepared. Then finally, how effective am I in spiritual battles? How effective? That's the main goal. Effectiveness. Effectiveness is the main goal. Not only are we to take up the armor, Paul also stressed this, put it on. Take it up means get it ready. Put it on means to use it. Use it. Use it in the battle. Put it on. 
uh, if we don't put the armor on, if we don't use it, we will not be effective in battle. We will not stand firm. And the truth is, you are not effective at all if you're not standing. You're not. Not only are you effective, affected yourself, but individual ineffectiveness affects the group. You see, those Roman soldiers, they were big. And they were also meant to interlock with other shields. So what the soldiers would do is they would stand side by side and they would join shields and they would make one big wall out of those shields. So look, if you're not taking up your shield, not only are you in danger, but you're endangering the group. Right, you see? On top of that, sharing the gospel is something that you need to do. I don't know how else to say that, but being a Christian means that you share Christ with others. You're a Christ follower. It's, it's not preaching. You don't have to preach. But what it is is telling others about Jesus. How he has changed your life and, and how he can change their life as well. The gospel message is something that's meant to be spread. And your life is a testimony that's meant to be shared. We all have to come to that realization. So if you're, if you're a Christian, look, you're a, a new person. You've got a new identity but you also have a new mission. New mission. And the truth is, you got a new enemy now. And until the Lord returns to right all the wrongs of this world, we're engaged in this ongoing spiritual battle. But thankfully, look, not only do we have others to count on, but we have God. Right? Almighty God. King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of the hosts of heaven that not only gave his life for us at Calvary, but says, here's my armor. Take it up and use it. We have God that has already won the victory for us, and he can surely help us win the daily battles that we face against the enemy. Amen? I want to finish off with this verse, uh, these verses from Psalm 26 through 8. This is written by David, who was not only king, but he was a soldier. Knew the importance of armor. Knew the importance of fighting against the enemy. Says this, now this I know. Does that sound like somebody that's not really sure? No. This I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Look, David realizes that the battle isn't physical. Some place their, their faith in physical things. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What happens to those that don't put their trust in God? Well, they are brought to their knees. They are brought to their knees and they fall. But what happens if you put your trust in the Lord? We Rise up, and we stand firm. Stand firm. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning, your, your written word and both your, uh, your spirit to guide us and to lead us. 
uh, in understanding these truths this morning. Father, help us to realize that we 